Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. We're continuing a series today on the Holy Spirit. We started this last week, and last weekend was actually uh, Pentecost weekend, uh, according to the Hebrew calendar, and so we started a series on the Holy Spirit And last weekend, we went through um, kind of what historically Pentecost looked like in the New Testament. Uh, We explored a little bit of what that means in the Old Testament as well and what that means for us today. Um, And today, what I want to do is explore one of the gifts of the Spirit that I feel like is very misunderstood uh, and sometimes gets a bad rap. And so what I want us to do today is, um, is, is look at one of those specific gifts. Before we do, I want to share a couple of, of verses with you to kind of set the tone for, for the rest of the series. Um, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he was giving them instruction on the gifts of the Spirit. And this is what he said in verse 1. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so what he's saying is... Um, Don't just bury your head in the sand when it comes to spiritual gifts. You need to understand who the Holy Spirit is, why he's here, and how he empowers us, the gifts that he gives us. Uh, Verse 7 says this, he continues and says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we see here Paul lays out that the, the Holy Spirit ministers to us and through us through with gifts for the common good, for the good of the body and for the good of the kingdom. Uh, so that is our baseline as we are walking through this. Um, you know, as we look at the gifts of the Spirit, there's many churches that, uh, that, that honestly don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit for whatever reason. We'll walk through that in just a moment. But um, So maybe you grew up in a tradition where uh, the Holy Spirit wasn't talked about, where he was, he was the, kind of the forgotten member of the Trinity. Um, so I heard somebody say one time that, that sometimes we replace our Holy Spirit with ourselves in the Trinity, uh, but sometimes we forget about the Holy Spirit in the Trinity and what he's all about and what he wants to do in our lives. And, and really what I want us to do is debunk a few ideas, uh, demystify some things, because honestly, if we look at the gifts of the Spirit, sometimes um, we make it weird. Uh, the Holy Spirit's not weird, but sometimes we make the Holy Spirit weird. And so I, wanna, I just want to walk through this with you today. So today, uh, we're going to look at the gift of prophecy. Could you feel that just then, the tension when I said that? It's okay, we're going to embrace it. Uh, so we're just going to walk through this. What does the Bible say about prophecy? And what does it mean for us today? What does it look like in a very practical way? Um, and really, this, this goes back, all the way back. And prophecy, it just in a really basic definition, means that um, you are a spokesperson for God. And that sounds like a big deal. And it is, especially in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, you have a number of people who held the office of prophet. Um, And in fact, Moses actually was a prophet, but he didn't function in that gift very often. Um, But he was known as a prophet. And actually, it's funny because... we talked about this verse a few weeks ago. God is talking to Moses in, in Exodus, and he's saying, hey, I want go to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go, right? And, and Moses goes, I can't. I, 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 I don't, don't, don't talk, talk, talk so good, right? And, and God goes, what are you talking about? I made your tongue. I gave your tongue purpose. I formed you. I can, I can make your tongue work right. And finally Moses goes, okay, I just don't want to do it, Okay. 
I'm done with excuses. I just don't want to go. Send somebody else. And God gets ticked off. It actually says that God was, got angry at Moses. That's not a good thing. And then if you want to read it, you can. It's in, in Exodus 4, 15 and 16. Finally, um, God says, okay, your brother, he's eloquent, so how about if I send him? And this is what we're going to do, Moses. Um, you to him, you will be God to him, and then he will say the words that you tell him to say. So what he's saying is, he's going to be your spokesperson, and actually the Hebrew word there is the Hebrew word for, for prophet. So he said, you're gonna be like God, he's gonna be your prophet. So Aaron is actually gonna speak to Pharaoh, but he's only going to say the words that you tell him to say. And so this is a, a good picture early in the church, uh, early in the Bible about what a prophet does. A prophet, or someone who flows in the gift of prophecy, is really just saying what God tells them to say. Um, and that can look a lot of different ways. It can be a lot of different things, and we'll explore that more in just a moment. Uh, the, the word, the Hebrew word for prophet is used over 400 times in Scripture. Uh, and again, in the Old Testament, it's more of an office or position. Uh, in the New Testament, it's more of a gift. Um, and again, what it really means is just a spokesperson. Have you ever seen a, a company get in trouble? Uh, they do something stupid, and it's not the CEO who's doing the talking, They've got a spokesperson, right? And they say, well, we're very sorry that this happened. And, and they're just saying what the company has told them to say. And this is what a prophet does. A prophet is just saying what the CEO has told them to say, basically. Um, a prophet in the Old Testament was a person that was called by God, a lot of times during a time of crisis, to speak on God's behalf to the people. Um, usually crisis with either on the way or they were in the middle of it. Uh, they were in captivity to a foreign nation. Something was going on. And so they would speak to the people. And we think prophecy is all about future. And it can, uh, it can be about the future, but it's not necessarily all about the future. Because we think of prophecy like a fortune teller. Like somebody's going to tell us what's going to happen. And, and don't we wish God functioned like that sometimes, honestly? Don't we wish, like when I was in college, I was like, God, just tell me, am I going to be married? And, and uh, God was like, I, if I told you, I'd blow your mind, right? Um, like, God, how's this going to turn out? Should I take this job? Like, I just need you to tell me, right? Is this going to work out? Um, and that is not how prophecy works. Uh, the prophet or the person flowing in the gift speaks on behalf of God and, and shares and and gives revelation, but it's always a, usually a partial revelation. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. Um, the Old Testament prophets, their function was to reveal the character, nature, will, and word of God for his people. So again, the prophecy is all about pointing people back to God. We talked about this last week, that the gifts of the Spirit, 100% of the time, are about pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to God, and if it's not doing that, then it's not really the gifts of the Spirit. And prophecy is the same way. At the end of the day, it's about pointing people back to God and his goodness and grace and mercy for us. So even in the Old Testament, when the prophets would talk about judgment that was on the way, it was almost always in the context of repentance. So what would happen is, um, a prophet would say, hey, Israel, if you don't get your junk together, if you don't start acting right, if you don't change the road you're on, you're doomed. God's going to judge you. And people don't like that, do we? Because we don't like anybody to judge us. So we get a little defensive and we go, who do you think you are, right? Um, let, let, me, let me give you a, a, an example. If you were, you're driving on a road, and um, we all have GPS now because uh, 
Who needs a map, right? So you listen to the GPS, and the GPS is the voice of God. And, uh, I mean, honestly, have you ever argued with your GPS before and you found out you were wrong? Um, I have. Like, I've ended up an hour from where I was supposed to be because uh, uh, I, I didn't listen to the GPS. I was like, GPS doesn't know. I know where I'm going. I was like, oh, no, I don't know where I'm going. So you may be on the road, and you're driving, and uh, GPS says, you need to turn around. And you're like, no, 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 I know this road. I'm, I know where I'm going. I'll be just fine. GPS is saying, no, 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 make a U-turn. You're like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. But what you don't realize is the bridge is out, right? But the GPS is trying to help you avert disaster. Nobody would go, the stupid GPS, it's ruining my life. I want to drive off the bridge, would we? No. We, we would make the U-turn and go, man, this GPS saved my life, right? And this is what a prophet does. The prophet is saying, hey, if you don't turn around, you're going to head for disaster. And, and this is what happened in the Old Testament, but this is still what happens today. Because what God does in prophecy is he gives direction that points people back to God that helps us avert disaster many times. Uh, it's not about saying how terrible we are or how horrible we are or how big of sinners we are. It is all about bringing glory to God. So today, what does that look like? Well, in the Old Testament, um, they needed an office, a specific office of prophet, because there was no mediator. Thank God, in the New Testament, we have a new covenant through Jesus Christ. So each of us has personal relationship with God. If we have made Jesus Lord of our life, we have salvation through Christ, so we have access to God. So we don't necessarily need an office of prophet to hear from God, because, man, this is, this is incredible. Each of us can hear from God. I was hoping you'd be more excited about that. And this, is, this might freak you out a little. Um, you can hear from God just as good as I can. You're like, well, why am I coming to this church, right? Your prayers matter just as much to God as mine do because of Jesus. So because of that, the, the gift of prophecy is different today than it was then. So when the Holy Spirit came, and remember Jesus said, you want the Holy Spirit, you want the baptism of the Spirit in your life, right? So he, he pointed his disciples back to the upper room, they were baptized in the Spirit, they had access to the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy included. And so today, it looks a little different. Because in the Old Testament, it was thus saith the Lord. The prophets would say, here's what God has said, and you're not going to argue with me. Now, in the New Testament, uh, and, and in, in our, where we're at today, the Holy Spirit can speak to us a prophetic word, but there is no thus saith the Lord, because um, we are people. Does that make sense? We are fallible. And so, uh, let me give you an example. When I was in college, there was this girl, uh, she was very nice, um, but she told her friend, and she was crazy, this will illustrate it, but she told her friend that she felt like God had spoken to her and that she and I were going to be married. And when I heard that, I was like, well, this is like, you know, tip 27 for how to ruin a relationship or how to not get married. And so I was like, no, that does not bear witness with my spirit, sister. I don't receive that in the name of the Lord. And I was like, we're not getting married, like... Right? So you might think you heard that, but that is just you. Does that make sense? So sometimes we can get it wrong, and we'll talk about that. We'll come back to it. Anyway, um, so we can't hold prophecy in the same light that we hold Scripture. Scripture is from God. It is perfect. It's 
without error, and, and that is superior. So this is the way cults start. It's when somebody says, hey, I got a, pro- I got a word from God. I just, I just realized something. Um, I think I might be the twin brother of Jesus. I'm also the son of God. So what we're going to do is we're going to sell all of our stuff. We're moving to the country, people, and uh, we're going to have a commune out there, and, right? Like that's how cults start because if you test it against Scripture, Scripture would go, no, 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 no. No, 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 there's one son of God, right? So when we weigh prophecy or a word from God against Scripture, Scripture always is the trump card. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, basically, if you break it down, prophecy for today is this. You hear what God is speaking and you repeat it to the people who need to hear it. It's that simple. See, we make it weird and mystical, and God's going to download it to you, and is it manuscript form, or is it, you know, does he speak to my heart, or is he, it, it can be all kinds of different things. God speaks through visions, through dreams, God speaks words into us, God gives us impressions or feelings, and we have to learn the voice of God so that we can interpret that or share that with the people that need to hear it. But it looks different for just about everybody. Um, In a really practical way, I would not call myself a prophet at all, but um, a few weeks ago, I was away, and I was in uh, Texas preaching, and this church that I was preaching at is a church that struggled uh, for the last year. They've had some problems and challenges, and and a friend of mine pastors there, and so I just felt and I just felt an impression that I needed to share with some of their leadership. I was at a, at a meal with some of their staff and leadership, and, and I just said, hey, guys, can, can I share something I feel like God is speaking to me? And they said, yeah. And I just said, I, listen, this is what I feel like God has said to me. And I feel like this is where you've been, and this is the season you've kind of walked through, and this is why you've walked through the season, and this is what God has for you on the other side of the season. And here's what I feel like God is speaking about what what he's got for you. And it wasn't specific as far as uh, this person's going to attend church and this is what's going to happen. But it was just, here's what I feel like God is leading you into. And um, man, there's such, it was almost like relief at that table, at that restaurant. Just like, thank God. Okay, good. Because they've been struggling and working and trying. And in that moment, the the word I brought to them, um, in a real sense, it was a prophetic word, um, but it, it was not, thus saith the Lord. It was not, um, you guys are a bunch of sinners and you're terrible, and here's like you would expect from the Old Testament prophets, but it was what is in line with what we see in Scripture today. Uh, so let me walk through a couple of passages with you. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul's cha- talking to the Corinthian church about the gifts of the Spirit. And this is the love chapter. And so this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, this is the gift of knowledge uh, from the Holy Spirit, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when, we, or when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now, I want to stop right there for a second. If you remember, this is Paul writing here, and in Paul's writings, he talks several times in the epistles about us being perfected in him. And it doesn't mean that we are perfect, made perfect in Christ, but what it means is that we're sanctified, that we're actually matured in him. And so what you see here in this language is twice he talks about being made perfect, so what he's talking about is being mature in Christ. And what this means is, is it, 
And he says, again, that we're never made mature, fully mature in Christ until we get to heaven. So, so someday we're going to be made perfect, but it's not here on planet Earth. Uh, and you might be saying, well, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of perfect. Your spouse would disagree. Um, so what Paul says is we will be made perfect someday, <clears throat> but not now. When we're face-to-face with Jesus, we'll be made perfect, okay? And he even talks about it in the context of maturity. So here he talks about when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, right? And then he talks about being made mature. So, but when the perfect comes, I put away the imperfect. Um, and so again, he's talking about when we get to heaven someday, when we're perfected in him. Um, it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly and then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Um, and so again, I know Jesus, but I can't tell you I fully know Jesus. And so there are some people, that, this doctrine is called cessationism. It means that the gifts of the Spirit ceased, that we don't need them today because we got the Bible, so we don't need the gifts of the Spirit. And again, the gifts of the Spirit are always um, sub the Bible. Does that make sense? So if somebody gave a word to you and it was contradicting, uh, contradicting the word of God, you can disregard it because it is not a word from God because the Holy Spirit doesn't contradict itself. The Holy Spirit is God. Does that make sense? So <clears throat> when you look at this, <clears throat> you have to understand that um, what Paul is talking about is, yes, prophecy will cease. Yes, gifts will cease. Yes, all these things will come to an end. It's going to come to an end when we get to heaven. Because when we're face-to-face with Jesus Christ, I'm not going to need a word to encourage me in Christ. Does that make sense? Um, I'm not going to need a, a message in an unknown language for someone to interpret it for me to understand Christ better because I'm going to know fully in his presence. So <clears throat> sometimes this passage is used to say, refute that the gifts of the Spirit and the miracles and that healing is for today, but it absolutely is for today. We absolutely need it. Verse 13 says, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And then we transition right into chapter 14, and it says, pursue love. So again, he's keeping with that same thought. Love is really important. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And this is a direct statement, like he's not mincing any words. So he says, love each other well, but also pursue spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And some of you are like, Mel, can you read it in a different version? The different version is going to say the same thing. It's still going to make you a little uncomfortable. So it says, pursue spiritual gifts and especially that you prophesy. Now what this is saying to me and what we should understand is that Paul was not talking to a group of spiritual all-stars. He was just talking to a church. And so what he was saying is every one of you in the church should long for or desire the ability to prophesy. And you're like, this is weirding me out, Mel. Well, just wait. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get more comfortable, I promise. So just stay with me. Verse 2 says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now listen to this. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, for their consolation. The one who speaks in a a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So again, prophecy builds up the church. 
Verse 5, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Again, he reiterates the fact that prophecy is not for a select few. In in fact, um, that that word prophet is used over 400 times. You actually also see the word prophetess in Scripture as well. Even in the Old Testament where um, ideas about women's roles were sometimes a little bit backwards. We see that even women could hold the office of prophet. And so what Paul is saying is this is for anyone. It is for everyone. Um, <clears throat> so again, prophecy can be about the future, but it's always in the context of building up, of edifying, of exhorting, of, of bringing comfort. Um, let, me, let me just take a moment in this one verse, verse 3, when Paul kind of lays out what prophecy is. <clears throat> he said, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, and consolation. Uh, another version, the NASB says, uh, but the one who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, exhortation, and consolation. Um, the, the first part of that is upbuilding. It, it's just edification. And what that means is, is literally it means building up. And so <clears throat> what, the, what the Holy Spirit does when he gives us a word of prophecy for someone, um, that word of prophecy can just be something that builds them up, that, that helps them grow in their faith. Um, and this is really what this is about. It, it, the literal translation for this Hebrew word is promotion of growth in others. So what happens is the Holy Spirit will speak something to me or to you to speak to someone else. <clears throat> and what that does is it promotes growth in them. It's like spiritual fertilizer, right? It's helping them grow and develop in their spiritual life. To to recognize something about Jesus, to recognize where he wants to take them, what he wants to do in their lives, whatever it might be. So one of the primary purposes of the gift of prophecy is the upbuilding of other people. Um, You know, we see in Scripture, it talks about sanctification. Sanctification is a process by which we look more and more like Christ. Um, this is where that glory to glory comes in. You, you see this in Romans chapter 8 a little bit. Um, and so that is what this part portion is all about. It's about upbuilding, building up, helping people, edifying people, helping them grow into the likeness of Christ. The second part of that is encouragement. Uh, the, the NASB says exhortation. So encouragement or exhortation. It's interesting because one of my favorite Greek words is parakaleo, and parakaleo is the Greek word um, for um, comfort. And so what it means literally is, come up here, Steph. No, I want you. (laughs) So parakaleo is, here's Steph. And if you don't know Steph, she struggles sometimes. So Steph is going along, and what the Holy Spirit does is he leads us into this parakaleo. You didn't know you were going to do this, and now you're uncomfortable. And parakaleo means that, that I'm led by the Spirit to come alongside. Parakaleo literally means coming alongside for the building up. And so what parakaleo happens, uh, when it happens is we come alongside someone, and we go, hey, I see where you're at. I know what you're going through. I know where you're struggling. And you want me to talk about some of that with them right now? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. And what happens is there's a building up when we know we're not alone, when someone is with us, when someone's walking with us. You can go sit down. So this word here is very, very similar to parakaleo. It's parakalesis. And what this is, is that again, it's a calling near for the purpose of encouraging, for the purpose of inspiring, for the purpose of um, helping them become better. And so when we see this, the Holy Spirit's purpose for us through prophecy is to encourage each other. 
See, again, when we think of prophecy, we think of, I'm uncomfortable, and this is going to be weird. But what if somebody just wants to encourage you? What if, not just somebody, what if God wants to encourage you today? Would you reject that? I wouldn't. Now, we call it prophecy, so sometimes we feel uncomfortable, but the truth is, that's all this is. God wants to encourage you. Now, there's a pastor that I love. He, he describes this word this way. Um, have you ever been at a camp out, or you got a campfire, and maybe you're sitting around, you've been roasting marshmallows, and the fire begins to die, and there's an ember in the fire, and it's still got a little color to it, but it's, it's getting dark, it's getting cold. But if you take that ember, and you begin to blow on it, what happens? It begins to brighten up, color comes back, it begins to burn, right? What it needs is oxygen, and it begins to burn again. And this is what this word is really all about. It's about um, us, sometimes we need some encouragement. Sometimes uh, we are not burning as brightly as we were. And what God does, he will use someone to, to breathe his breath on us so that oxygen can be applied so that fire can begin to burn so that we can burn brightly for him and that's what this verse that's what this word is really all about it's about exhorting us and persuading us and stirring us to a point that that we can burn brightly for him again i don't even know who would reject that or would would say i don't want that the last part is consolation um and this is in a very real sense it's it's any this is the actual definition. Any address made for the purpose of persuading, stirring up, stimulating, or calming, consoling, or, or comforting someone. Um, they don't have, they don't do consolation the same way now that they used to. When I was a kid, uh, consolation was, um, you guys stunk, so you didn't get a trophy. Sorry, buddy. Like, that was consolation. Today, consolation is, you finished last, and you guys didn't score a goal this season. Your trophy's just as big as the winner's, right? Um, and so consolation looks a little different now than it did. I remember being on some terrible sports teams growing up, and the consolation was like, yeah, you guys stunk. Pat on the head. Like, it'll be okay, you know? And so sometimes we feel like consolation looks something like that. And really, what consolation looks like here is um, God's desire to stir something up in us, to remind us of God's goodness and his beauty and his grace so that we can understand that we have a future in spite of what our circumstances look like. Because so many times we get to a place and our circumstances overwhelm us and what we need is a reminder that God has a future for us, that God is a good God, that, that, that Jesus is worthy of all of our attention because he is so lovely and so beautiful. Um, now, when we talk through this, it's easy to go, well, wait a second, Mal, if I've got a relationship with God, why do I need, why do I need to hear a word through someone else, through a prophet, I mean, through a prophecy? Why would I need that if I can hear from God? Well, this is the thing. Um, I've, I've got this house, it's a great old house, and it, it was built crazy thick walls, and my daughter is upstairs, and I can holler for my daughter. And we're in the same house, and she will not hear me. And I mean, and I'm not just talking about, Abby, I'm talking, and I, I will scream it as loud as I can, not because I'm angry, because I know if, if I don't do this, I'm gonna have to call her, and I hate calling people in my own house. <laughs> That's ridiculous. 
So I will scream as loud as I can. And sometimes she doesn't hear me because of all the interference between me and her. And this is the thing. Sometimes in our lives, we've got, we've got a relationship with God and God's trying to speak to us. But our circumstances are so overwhelming that there's interference between us and God. So we're trying to hear God. We want to hear God. But there's so much noise. And there's, there's white noise. So we miss the signal. And so what happens is sometimes God will go, man, I've been trying to tell them this. Hey, you need to go speak this to them because I need them to hear this. So you go, okay, God, that didn't even make sense. I don't understand it, but I'm going to be obedient. You know, hey, can I share something with you? This is what I feel like God might be speaking to me. And, and if, it's, if it's off, just disregard it. But, but if this is for you, I, I feel like God wants me to say this. And here's what I want to say. That's how God works. That's how God speaks. So you might be here today and say, well, I'm a Christian. I don't need to hear a, a prophetic word. Well, maybe you do. Maybe you're resistant, though, so God has a harder time speaking that to somebody for you. But as we look at this, we have to ask, is prophecy for today? Absolutely it's for today. It, it, it didn't end. Um, is prophecy weird? No, it's not weird. It might make you a little uncomfortable, but I can promise you it's not weird. I was sitting in a meeting um, with a group of pastors back in February, and, and this pastor was with us. His name was Jamie Patton. Jamie pastors a great church in London, Ontario, Canada. And he had planted that church years ago with his wife and his family, and he felt God speaking to him to lay down that church and take go plant another church. And he he's planning a church in Alabama, because that is exactly like Canada, Alabama. I don't know if you've ever been there. So anyway, um, so he's got all these, it's a very complicated issue because he's got this family business that I think his grandfather started, this plumbing business, and then it was passed down to his dad, and it's passed down to him, and he's got this pressure from the family, and he wants to lay the business down. So right now, he's working a full-time job running this large business, and he's trying to pastor a church, and he's got uh, four or five kids and all this stuff, and so he and I were talking at this meeting, and we've talked a few times about it, and and so, man, just working through what this is going to look like. And there was this, these people that came to the meeting to promote uh, this school. And uh, it's a spirit-filled Christian school. And while they were there talking about the school with all this group of pastors, this guy from the school just said, hey, um, I, I don't want to cross any lines, but is, I feel like God is speaking to me about something. Is it okay if I share? Yeah. So he said, you, and he points at Jamie. And he said, I feel like God is speaking to me about you, that you've been bivocational, and you've been working a job, and you're also pastoring, and God is moving you from there. He's taking you to a season where you're not going to be bivocational anymore, but you're just, you're just going to be pastoring, but you're still going to have inroads into the business community, and here's what it's going to look like. And he begins laying it out, and, um, and I'm not a skeptic, but my jaw opened as I heard what they were saying, I was shocked because it was so accurate. It wasn't one of these things where somebody walks in and goes, I believe I've got a word for someone who has a vowel in their first name. Someone who has an I or an A, I'm not sure, right? It wasn't like that. It was specific. So Jamie is this manly guy and he just starts crying because what he heard was a word of encouragement for him. He realized in that moment, I don't know what the future holds, but God does, and I know I can trust him in this moment. Does that make sense? 
That's what the gift of prophecy is for. It's not to call you out about your sin. It's not so that somebody can stand up and say how terrible you are. That's not what it's about. What we see here in Scripture, it's for the upbuilding, for the encouragement, for the consolation of the body of Christ. So today, in a really practical way, you'd say, well, how do I access the gift of prophecy? Well, number one, you have to be a believer in Christ. If Jesus isn't Lord of your life, it's not for you. Number two, you have to be baptized in the Spirit because that's part of the gifts of the Spirit is prophecy. Number three, you have to uh, be able to identify the voice of God because if you can't identify the voice of God, you're gonna have a really hard time communicating what he's communicating to you. Does that make sense? Um, So how do you identify the voice of God? You practice listening. Uh, There was a a lady, I went to an IUP softball game a couple years ago, and my family was watching the game, and I'd gotten a call, so I stepped away, and, and I was away from the crowd, and I was talking on the phone, and I hung up, I ended the call, and there was a lady just standing a few feet away from me, and she stopped me and said, excuse me, and I'd never seen her before, I didn't recognize her, and she said, are you Mel Massingale? Maybe. I'm not sure. I said, yeah, and she said, and you pastor Summit Church. I said, yeah, and she said, uh, we've never met before. She said, I came to your church a while back, and she said, and I live, and I think, it was, I think she lived down in, um, in Altoona, and she said, but I love your church, and I listen to your podcast every week. And she said, I didn't recognize you, but when I heard your voice, I knew it was you. So what happens? Well, she listened to the Sermon every week. She knew my voice. She didn't identify me on sight. She knew me by my voice. That's how we recognize the voice of God. We practice hearing his voice. So then we hear his voice, we recognize his voice, and then we repeat what he tells us to repeat to the people who need to hear it. Now for you, that might freak you out a little bit. Let me help you. Start in a safe environment. Practice in the context of the people you trust spiritually. And this, is, this makes us vulnerable, and we don't like being vulnerable. But this is where you just begin practice and saying, God, speak to me. Help me be an encouragement to someone else. Help me bring comfort to someone else. Use me in this way. And maybe you start with your family. Maybe you start with having a conversation with your spouse saying, hey, I might be wrong, but man, this is what I feel like God is speaking to me. And as you begin to practice that gift, God's gonna strengthen it. Now, again, there's no weirdness here. You might be uncomfortable, but that, that's a you issue. The Holy Spirit's not uncomfortable. He's totally cool with this. So what we have to do as a church is go, okay, you know what? We want every part of what you've got for us, God, even if it makes us a little uncomfortable. Um, what I don't want us to do, not as a church or as individuals, is try to live a, a lifestyle that God's called us to live with one arm tied behind our back. So we do it in a way that we go, hey, God, I want everything you've got for us except for the stuff that makes me uncomfortable. And God goes, but that's some stuff you need. You go, nope, but we're good. That's not what God wants for you. God wants you to live the fullest life you can possibly live. And part of that is experiencing some of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, again, like I said, it begins with a relationship with Christ because everything about the gifts point people back to Christ. So if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's where I want to start today. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Lord, we love you so much and we're so grateful that uh, you sent your son for us. But God, I'm also grateful that when he ascended into heaven, you sent the Holy Spirit. We're not alone. So God, I pray today, um, Lord, you would help us 
and get to know the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, not just um, in a mechanical way because we have to religiously, but Lord, help us just like we're exploring a relationship and getting to know someone. God, I pray that as we get to know who the Holy Spirit is, Lord, our defenses would fall. We'd become more comfortable that everything that you have for us scripturally would be ours, that we would be able to function in your spirit in a way that points people back to you, that encourages the body, that brings comfort. So Lord, I pray that um, you'd begin to break our defenses down. Lord, I pray for those that are here that don't know you, that Lord, the Holy Spirit's been drawing them even today. Lord, I pray that today would be the moment of of decision. Today would be a moment that they would come home and make you Lord of their lives. So with every, every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you, if you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm not in relationship with Jesus, but I know I need to be. Um, I've been doing my own thing. Maybe you've been running from God, but today you say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. I just want to pray with you right where you are. So if that's you, would you be bold enough just to put your hand up real high where I can see it and you can put it right back down. Is there anyone who'd say, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. All right. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm a Christian. But the truth is, some of this stuff is a little uncomfortable. And I'm open, but I need God to help me have a higher level of comfort. I need God to help me get to know the Holy Spirit better so I can be comfortable with some of these things that you're talking about. Would you be bold enough just to put your hand up and let me pray for you? Yeah, a bunch of you, a bunch of you. God, I thank you so much. Lord, you, your word says that the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a grace gift. So God, I pray today we would understand that it's a gift that we can receive or we can reject. Lord, I pray that today we would get to know you and get to know how you work in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit in our lives to benefit us, to benefit the body. And then Lord, I pray that you would help us begin to explore every aspect of our Christian walk and not just the things um, that we're comfortable with. Lord, help us explore how we can be a greater impact on this planet, Lord, and not just get to heaven safely. Lord, I pray today for the men and women in this place that are hearing this message, the Lord, you would spur them, you would empower them, you would give them a fire to grow in you, to know you better, to know you more, and not be satisfied till they do. So Lord, have your way among us today. Speak into this place and give us a passion for you like never before. In your name we pray, amen. This is what's gonna happen right now. This team is gonna lead us in one more song. Uh, as they do, our prayer team is going to be on either side of the stage. So if you need prayer for any reason, no matter what it might be, they're ready to pray with you about whatever may be going on in your life. And then in just a moment, as we finish up singing, Pastor Steve Rhodes, our executive pastor, is going to come up and he'll close us out and dismiss us. So stand to your feet all over the room. We're going to worship together one more time before we go. Guys, I want you to know I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored that I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a great day.